Okay, so are we settled on the title of Midwestern Mysteries? Do we like that? Is that yeah. a, is that good? Yeah, I've okay. told everybody I know. Okay, we're doing we're doing Midwestern <laughs> so. Mysteries. Um, I just I just got really anxious. Like, I, <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen. Like, I have do you to need pee. a pee break? No, it's fine. It's just mid show jitters. Mid show, pre show, pre show <laughs> jitters. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Midwestern Mysteries. My name is Sarah and that is... Michaela. Yes, no, so I thought that we would start out Midwestern Mysteries with something that was closer to home for us. So I don't want you to look at my notes. I literally am wearing my contacts, still can't see shit. Oh, that, you might need a new prescription. I do. Okay. These were just like my, oopsies, I lost my, my prescription at work and I need a backup before I get back to the eye doctor, but... Ah, Never went back, so. Awesome. Great for your eye health. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> so, yes, I thought we would start with something in Michigan. Word. And I was thinking about looking at maybe some cults, you know, that seemed interesting. They were a bit odd, so I went on to, like, serial killers in Michigan. I learned about another case, and that's what I did this on. And it's usually referred to as just the Michigan murders. They don't even have a good name. I know. Well, I mean, because I don't think much happens here. Like, I don't, I don't know of any like famous serial killers that are from here. I mean, I mean that's a good thing. Yeah, but like, <laughs> there, there's a lot from the Midwest, but like Michigan yeah. specifically, not really. We're like the Nebraska of the Midwest. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised though that there's not more serial killers from here. Sorry if I offended anybody in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of states out there that are just like, well, there's yeah. not much there. Yeah. But I feel like, like Utah. Yeah. But I feel like Nebraska is just well known for being bleh. <laughs> I've never been. Um. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Poor Nebraska. <laughs> Either way. So this is the Michigan murders. Now, this story is about John Norman Collins. He was also known as the co-ed killer, not to be confused with Ed Kemper, the other co-ed killer. Um, the Michigan murderer, the Ypsilanti killer, and the Ypsilanti ripper. Oh my god, Fun. my brother lived in Ypsilanti. Well, he killed that. in Ypsilanti and, like, Ann Arbor and Detroit area. Oh. Yeah. Word. Yeah, so he was accused of murdering seven young women from the ages of 13 to 21. Holy. Mm-hmm. And they're quite gruesome, so I'm just gonna say, like, right now, like, content warning, all trigger warnings... They're a bit rough. Um, I was kind of surprised, like, to the extent of how gruesome these are. So, yeah, good luck Good luck for you. I'm just, now I'm scared to leave for work in the morning. I have to walk out to my car tonight to I, go home. I'll walk you to the door and watch you go to your car. My car's all the way over there. There were no open spots. Sorry about it. So, I just want to state now that <laughs> All of this is allegedly, unless I clarify otherwise, because you might not be too happy with the results of this case. Um, I'll just warn you of that now. So we'll just start with his childhood. I'm, I just, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just listening to you. No, that's fine. Feel free to um, jump in at any point. Okay. Okay, so we will start with his childhood, because I feel like that's a good place to start. We'll understand why he was literally insane. Or like... Maybe just a hint to why he could be literally crazy. I mean, yeah, I feel like a lot of serial killers are just... It's honestly, his childhood was not as bad as some. So, like, I, he just... 
I mean, yeah, but I feel like that's where it starts. Oh, like, yeah, I yeah. I mean, with some people, no, but, like... With the right ingredients. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a predisposition... Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> like a predisposition to violence and then, like, witnessing violence. And yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. Word. Okay, so he was born in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. So he's not actually from Michigan, but he lived in Michigan at a very young age. Um, he was born on June 17th, 1947, meaning he's a Gemini, which... I literally don't know anything about Zodiacs except for, like, mine. Well, I've noticed that uh, quite a few serial killers are Geminis. Oh, I saw, like, somebody do, like videos on like how many serial killers there were in like each each zodiac, zodiac. and they're not all aquariuses i can tell you that yeah i don't think they're tauruses either no we're we're uh, gentle beings i would say mm-hmm. either way he's a gemini he is the youngest of three siblings and his mother's name is loretta collins and his father was richard chapman now richard was definitely abusive um to both his mother and the kids, um, but he did Stop end that. up leaving the family pretty soon after um, John was born. Oh. Yeah. So right after that, uh, Loretta did remarry, but this new husband was also significantly abusive. Um, I'm sorry. Um, I don't. No, I, don't, I, don't, I said jump in whenever. Yeah, I just like when was he born again? Like 1947. Okay. Yeah, that's up. I feel like. Oh, that all men were abusive yeah. in the 40s? Yeah. 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 It was more common. But I'll, here, let me just give you some examples of this new husband being, like, pretty abusive to John. So when he was, like, around two or three, his stepfather actually threw him across the car to his mother. So I'm assuming, like, in the car, like, tossed him. I mean, yeah, but, like... No, I... Yeah, that's not good. If I'm, you're in a car, you're obviously not that far from somebody. You don't need to be throwing at Yeah, yeah. Like, so, like, he was thrown... So that's fun. And then this one's, like, worse. Okay. So another time, this guy used John as a shield when a man confronted him with a gun. So he's just, like, human shield. Oh, my God. A child. That is awful. And he was young because when this marriage ended, it was a year later. So he was, like, probably around a, like, toddler age. Oh, my God. That's, like, prime. Yeah. Like developmental years yeah he just witnessed all this violence and he was like let me be violent this is my life now yeah so i'm gonna make this my personality yeah um after this when they got divorced loretta decided she wanted a new start so she moved to detroit michigan when john was four years old with the three kids okay how old was the siblings you know um, I do not, but he was the youngest, yeah. so they were older than him, okay. so they witnessed probably even more. Yeah. Um, there's not much said about his siblings in this, so I don't have a lot of information about them, I which is probably good for them. I mean, yeah, they probably don't want to be. Because, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to be included in that either. Kind of like, yeah, all the other serial killer families, they're like, please don't. Literally, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so when he was four, moved to Detroit, and... That's around the same area where he ends up killing people. So that's fun. Um, but his mom, when they get here when he's four, marries William Collins. And that's where he got his last name from. Okay. So he yeah. adopted him? Yes. Yeah. He formally adopts all the children. Okay. But guess what? He's also terrible. 
Um, so he ends up being an alcoholic, and he awesome. becomes abusive to both Loretta and the children. Oh, awesome. Yes. Yeah. So that marriage ends in 1956. She just cycling through these men. Cycling through these toxic men, though. These horrible men. Yeah, like... They're... Well... Yeah. All, I mean, all men suck, but those ones like, were specifically not good. <laughs> like, after a couple, she should be like, mm, maybe I should take a break. Maybe I should... Yeah, you'd think she would, like, not want to be married for a little bit there. Literally, She's kind of, like, like, back-to-back was, like... But I, I mean, also the time period is, like... Yeah, you can't really be a woman without a man. Yeah. And, yeah, in, like, the 40s, 50s. Especially with, like, three kids and, like, trying to get a job as a woman. Oh, my God. But, so, yeah, they're moved to Detroit. And when John was nine and he's in elementary school, he has already, like, suffered a decent amount of abuse. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, But he's still doing great in school, and teachers definitely loved him. They referred to him as an all-American boy. Which, I don't, whatever that means. Yeah, I don't, what does that mean? I don't, oh, just wait. I, there's weird, like, we'll get there. But there's I mean, other confusing things here. Like, okay. He's an all-American boy. Ew, I kind of, like, don't like that. Okay. Either way. So, like, does he, I don't know. He, I think he, like, was into sports. I don't like, know about elementary yeah, school. I was just gonna say, like. But in high school, he did play some sports. Like, football, baseball. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, And mm. it just gives me, like, pillar of the community vibes. Cherry pie. Apple cherry pie? pie apple pie what what's american burgers no but like there's american pie that's a movie oh <laughs> yeah that is a movie <laughs> i was confused oh my god okay cut that cut that cut that please <laughs> i will be <laughs> including that okay cool um so in high school he attended saint clement high which was a catholic school um so that's awesome that proves that catholic school doesn't help serial killers and he graduated as an honor student at the age of 18. And an honor student. Yeah, and he was the tri-captain of the football team. Do you know what that means? I don't know what that means. I don't know what tri-captain is. I there don't three either. of them? We Maybe. Sound, hold on. We sound like stupid girls right now. Well, like, d- just wait, because let me just keep listing while you research. Okay. Okay. So he was also the star pitcher of the baseball team. Is that, like, an official role you get? Okay, so tri-captain means he (laughs) a lot of people probably know this means that he was captain of all three seasons of sports so like three years an athlete he was a captain the captain of all three seasons of sports all three seasons of sports just sports either way i feel like okay i'm still confused there's four seasons yeah well like but four seasons in four years, is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think so. So maybe he was only the captain for three years. Maybe he was only on the varsity oh, team for three years. Oh, yeah. Because usually you start on the JV. Yeah, you're usually on JV for like two years, I thought. Mm, I was only on Just JV one? for one. Yeah, but you're good. I was only on JV for one. For cheerleading? Yeah, and it was, I was actually on varsity for competitive. Um, all four years. Okay. <laughs> Either way. We only had one team. This another thing. He was president of the C Club. Does that mean anything to you? C as in S E A. C, the letter. I looked it up. Literally, I don't know what it is. Absolutely not. I like couldn't figure it out. But president they... of the Catholic Club. Oh my! That might the the Christ Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably. Okay. We went oh. to public school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm also going to include all of the 
Mm-hmm. Sources. Yeah, no, I'm also going to include all of the sources in, like, the description of this because it's too hard for me to try to explain where I got all this information. But they'll be linked in the description. She cites her sources. Well, I have to, legally, I think. I don't want to get in trouble. She does APA style? No. I really hated doing that 11 in college. 11-point font? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so... That's his high school career. Gradu- graduates as an honor student. He's doing real good, man. Um, and then he goes to college. So he attended He attended Central Michigan University. Oh, um, CMU. Yeah. Yeah, no, and then he transferred to Eastern Michigan University. That's where my brother went. And if, if, oh, my if God. Ypsilini. No, he didn't. Ypsilini. Yes, he did. Eastern. He killed so many Eastern students. That's where my brother went. That's where my sister went, too. Oh. Both only went for a year. But still, they were at the same campus that he abducted women from. Just wait. I Just mean, wait. yeah, but it also was 20. It wasn't. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, he, he, they were there in the 70s, 60s. My mom wasn't even born yet. <laughs> yeah. In the 60s. Okay. Sorry. You're fine. I just got way off topic. No, I, like, I want to be able to do that. I think that's what makes podcasts fun is, like, banter. I want to share facts about myself. Yeah. Okay. So he transfers to Eastern and he joins a fraternity called Theta Chi. Um, I had to look at how to pronounce that because I don't know anything about fraternities. But yeah, so he joined that fraternity. He also did some modeling. He was in a bodybuilding magazine. Um, Everyone referred to him as kind of handsome. Like he wasn't he wasn't ugly. So like he's a Ted Bundy. Yeah, but like I think I think he looks not cute, but it's because I know that he killed people. You think Ted Bundy looks not cute, or both? Him? Both of them. But it's because I know they kill people. Yeah. yeah. Either way, he's, I mean, he's pretty Bundy tall. Was, Ted Bundy was never cute. I agree. And if you saw, I can show you John Norman Collins. Yeah. He's not. I want to see a picture of him. Okay. Let me we'll look post him up. It on the screen right here, making Sarah do extra editing. Oh, I'm gonna have to already edit this entire video because I'm gonna mess up a couple times too. Ew. See, he's not cute. I mean, wait. Go no, back. he looks a little bit like Sam Winchester. That picture really kind of looks good. <laughs> well, that's the picture that everyone uses of him. Okay, but for the time period, I don't think. I mean, he definitely looks better than Ted Bundy. Yeah, he does. He, he does give, like, he gives Sam Winchester vibes. I really I think. I feel like this is going to be a very controversial podcast because we're going to say some odd things. Um, well, like I said, I don't find him attractive because he killed people, so... Well, yeah, I mean, that... Specifically women. Obviously, personality goes above looks. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah. Um... He's not ugly. I don't ugly. think he was ugly. Well, he did modeling, so, like, he he wasn't ugly. Yeah. Um, also, a weird fact that they included is he loved motorcycles in college. That was, like... That's also, like, a big... Yeah, that's His big, thing. Okay. Oh, yeah, I can... Like, him on a motorcycle... I could see why people were, like, swooning. Yeah. Either way. But his sophomore year at Eastern, he his grades begin to drop, he's accused of cheating, and he starts committing petty thefts. So those are bad signs. Yep. And around this same time... It sounds like someone's driving on the apartment place. Yeah. That was, like, that was loud. <laughs> that was very loud, but... Either way, around the same time... He walks in on his pregnant sister with another man. Now, the only way I can, like, 
understand that is like she was pregnant with someone else's kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was not happy about this. He beat the man until he was unconscious and then beat his sister until she bled, calling her a tramp. So we can already see that he has like a relatively unhealthy relationship with sex. Oh my God. He's not doing good. I don't, it like, it almost like flipped a switch because all around the same time this stuff happened. And that brings us to his first victim on July 9th, 1967. 19-year-old Eastern Michigan University student Marie-Therese Flessar goes missing. So it's, like, all around the same time. He just, like, goes off the rails. I am flabbergasted that he beat yeah. his pregnant sister. Yeah. He has no remorse. And he does not respect women. <laughs> I am... She was too stunned to speak. So, Mary Therese Blessar was last seen alive on the evening of July 9th, 1967. You're snacking? You're snacking on some... Minims? Minims. <laughs> Minims. I'll try to go far away from the microphone as possible so you all don't have to hear me chew. <laughs> oh, gosh. You, don't, you shouldn't have to be that far. I mean, look at, look at how high my line is, though. When I'm True, yeah, because you're the top one. Get some ASMR going in there. Okay. Okay. Are we listening? Are you good? Yep. You ready to listen? Okay. So her neighbor saw her walking towards her Ypsilanti apartment, and he witnessed a young man in a blue-gray Chevy pull up next to her twice, trying to, like, talk to her, and she shook her head both times and walked away from the car. That is the scariest thing, like, walking. Yeah. And she tried to say no. Like, she tried... I mean, I'm sure this happens to men, too, but, like, not as often. But, like, walking... Oh, no. Women are way more, like... Into a place or, like, out... Like, walking just... Literally going home. Literally. Like, that is the scariest thing is thinking about somebody, like, pulling up next to you and, like... Oh, yeah. snatching you. And that's the last time she was seen. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Yeah. My be real just went off, so I'm gonna take one. Oh, we're doing a be real in the middle of our podcast. This yeah. is. It, I only have. Two oh, minutes. this is gonna be hilarious because the lighting. <laughs> oh well, I was not ready for that, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, about a month later, on August seventh, nineteen sixty-seven, a nude body of a woman was found by two fifteen-year-old boys on an abandoned farm in Superior Township. Um, the body was badly decomposed, as it was like summer, and it was about a month later. Oh, and God. yeah, <clears throat> and using dental records, they did identify it as Mary Therese Flessar. So the pathologist was able to tell that she had been stabbed approximately thirty times in the chest and abdomen. That's rage. That is. That's like, it's almost like a crime of passion. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I think it's just a hatred for women. Yeah. But, oh, don't, just don't worry. Uh, this is the worst part. Um, don't worry, she says. <laughs> her body had also been mutilated. This one makes me nauseous to have to say. Her feet had been severed just above the ankle. Her thumb and some sections of her fingers were missing on one hand. And one forearm had been severed from her body. Oh and my just God. wait, these missing appendages were never found. Doesn't that make you feel icky? That does. Like, that, ooh, that just gives me the ooh. 
they're just gone. He did something with them. I don't think he ate them. He didn't, that doesn't seem like his vibe. Okay. It's not part of his MO. Okay. Because I don't think there's missing body parts of any of the other victims. MO. What do they call it on criminal minds? I don't know. A behavioral analyst? I, I, I won't think of it. Okay. Just keep going. I'm laughing purely out of nervousness, not... This isn't funny. Yeah, no. Okay. So the pathologist could also tell that there were multiple linear abrasions on her chest and her torso, which means that she was likely extensively beaten before her death. Um, I mean... I mean, that really doesn't surprise me. No. With what he did with his sister. No, exactly. Like, that's somebody... It's like, like an M.O. for yeah. sure. Yeah. M.O. Police also theorized that she was likely raped. However, due to decomposition, any evidence of sexual assault was no longer present because the body was just too decomposed. Um, Upon further examination of the crime scene, though, it did show that her body had likely been moved three times in the month before she was found. How do they know that, though? Like, how do they know how many times it's been moved? Well, they can probably see, like, because she wasn't moved very far. Oh. She was, like, in the same wooded area. But, like, had been moved. Oh. Like, I think it was, like, 10 feet or so. Odd. Yeah. I mean, but like, an animal could do that, right? No, I promise you it was not an animal. Well, why would he move her, like, 10 feet? Well, because he likes to revisit the crime scene. And the last time she was moved, she was moved to, like, a way more obvious location so that someone would find her body. So he... They... Yeah, no, it happens a lot where, like, killers... They don't want to be caught, but they they want want recognition. Yeah. Yeah. So, also. Somebody's calling me. That's my mom. You should probably answer that. No, that's fine. Okay. She calls me a lot. I already talked to her, like, twice today. Sorry, Debbie. Okay. So, also, another icky thing. Okay. No, it's, it's not icky like that, but it's icky like, gonna give you the shivers, maybe. Okay. Word. Um, so two days after the body had been found, a young man claiming to be a friend of the Flessar family showed up to the funeral home that was holding her body and asked if he could take pictures of the body for the family as, like, keepsakes. Yeah, and see, that's a little odd. That is, like, one thing that, like... Why didn't he get reported? Is gonna get you caught. Like, well, no, and, like, this is his first victim, and he killed seven people. Like, that would, that's definitely, like, a red flag, and if I was working in that funeral home, I'd be like... Oh, and they did report it to the police, because they talked to the receptionist, and the only thing that she was able to say was that he was a handsome young man, young oh, white man. Oh, so, like, he never gave his with name With short dark hair. Yeah. No, and he also was driving a blue-gray Chevy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adds up. So, he asked that, right? And they're like, no... That's not possible. Yeah, that's... And when they said that, he says, what, you can't fix her up enough so I could just get one picture of her? Ew. I would have literally called the cops right then, like... Yeah. No, and and also, more ick, he wasn't carrying a camera. Ew! (laughs) Right? Icky. I mean, even if he was carrying a camera, like, you still, but... but 
he obviously just wanted to see the body. Yeah. Like, because back then, there weren't smartphones that you could, like, put into your pocket. He would have had a visible camera. Yeah. And he didn't. Icky. About a year later, on July 5th, 1968, a partially decomposed and mutilated body was found by construction workers on an Ann Arbor roadside. The body was identified as 20-year-old art student Joan Elspeth Schell. So she was last seen alive on June 30th, 1968, by her roommate, Susan Colby, at a Washtenaw Avenue bus stop, where she was waiting to catch a bus to go visit her boyfriend. So she didn't realize that she had missed the bus, so she was going to hitchhike. Her plan was, like, to hitchhike to go see her boyfriend. Oh, no. So a red and black Pontiac Bonneville stops. worth it to see the man. I know. So, yeah, no, a red and black Pontiac Bonneville stopped with three white men in it, three young white men, and the driver stopped and asked, want a ride? Oh, God. Want a ride? No. Um, But she said yes, because Colby, her roommate, tried to stop her from going, but she decided she would anyway. She promised to call her when she got to her boyfriend's house, but after about three hours with no phone call, Colby reported her missing. And her roommate described this young man as being around 20 years old, clean cut, with short dark hair that was parted to the side. So, like, the same description that the receptionist at the funeral home gave. Yeah, but very vague. Oh, yeah. That's, (laughs) like, half the population in Michigan at the time. Yeah. Um, Investigators did determine that she was raped and then stabbed 25 times. These wounds punctured her lungs, liver, and carotid artery. One wound was actually inflicted behind her left ear, and it fractured her skull. Oh, my God. Her throat had also been cut, and her skirt was tied around her neck. And Shell had been dead for several days, but it seemed that, for some reason, only the top half of her body was really decomposed. Meaning that her body was stored somewhere cold where her top half was, like, hanging out in the heat. And just to, like, explain this now, um, this does not get explained later. I don't know why she was, like, half decomposed. So Cool. Yeah. So many answers. Yeah. I don't know. Also, due to evidence at the scene, like the lack of blood or signs of a struggle, investigators concluded that she had been murdered somewhere else and then dumped on the side of the road, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But she was, I mean, yeah. But they did determine that there were enough similarities between Shell's murder and Flessar's murder to be treated that to treat them as equals or yeah. as connected. Um, police eliminated more than 150 registered owners of red and black vehicles in the state of Michigan, but the leads kind of just fizzled out. Like they they, it almost became a cold case, mm. but not really because it wasn't much longer until he killed someone else. Um, Two months later, two eyewitnesses came forward and stated that they saw Shell walking with a young man, a young man along Emmett Street, the day she disappeared. And guess who they identified him as? Clean cut. No. Oh. They literally oh, said they, they said identified him as Eastern Michigan University student John Norman Collins. Oh. They said, "This is who she was this with." This is your man. Like this you, is exactly your man. You got him. Yeah, but they didn't because guess what? But psych. They questioned him, and he just said, I wasn't in town, and they didn't check into his alibi. They're just like, okay. Yeah. So that's fun. I mean, I feel like in the 50s and, like, I mean, obviously when serial killers were more. Yeah, no, serial killers, like, the term wasn't even known of yet. Yeah, but, like, when they were more consistent and there was more of them, I feel like 
it was just easier to get away with stuff. Because now we have, like, <laughs> I mean, DNA testing. And there's cases that are, like, getting solved oh, from. Yeah. And, like, genealogy. This era. This era. This era. This time period. <laughs> yeah, no. But they literally, like, had him. Talked to him. And he's like, oh, no, I was with my mom. This close. Didn't and they're like, they didn't that? even check. I don't even think they checked with his mom. My mom wouldn't lie for me. My mom would. If. Um, my mom would be like, yeah. It depends on what it's like. If my mom. It depends. On I don't think, I don't think your mom would because she's, she's like good and independent. And I don't know. My mom just loves me. Oh, my mom loves me. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Your mom loves you. Your mom and my mom are just different. People. I guess it really depends on My what mom's it's... a little crazy, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> it depends on like what the cops would be asking. Like what are they trying to accuse me of? It, actually my mom would not even think of it. She'd be like, "No, we weren't together." Yeah, your <laughs> mom would do that. <laughs> no, I I wasn't no. No, that's not right. <laughs> oh god. Cuz your mom Yeah, my mom just wouldn't even get it. Mm-mm. Love you, Debbie. <laughs> but yeah so pretty soon after that so that was in july of 1968 on march 20th 1969 jane louise mixer goes missing now she had posted a note on a bulletin board asking for a ride for her hometown asking for a ride to her hometown muskegon michigan which is on the other side of the state now do you want to pull out your hand and do the michigan thing and tell them where it's at or do you want me to do it can we both do it together? We can both do it. So I'm going to explain. Over here is like the Detroit Ann Arbor area on this side. And then Muskegon Mus- is- Muskegon's all the way over here. Over here. All the way on the other side. Somewhere. Yeah. Right about. I honestly don't know where That Muskegon general is. area. Yeah. I do because it's like right to the lakeshore from my parents' house. Oh, so it's on the lakeshore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's literally. That's where, I was, that's where I was touching. Like right over here somewhere. Yeah. There's a Muskegon beach, so. I thought it was like down here more. No. Either way, so she was trying to get a ride to Muskegon, Michigan, but unfortunately, her body was found the next morning, fully clothed. Um, her body was kind of different than all the others. Um, she was covered with her raincoat, and there was a cat. Sorry, my name I don't know if really that loud. was picked up on the microphone, but that was quite loud. Um, there was a copy of the book Catch-22 that was placed by her side, and the autopsy showed that she was shot with a twenty-two caliber pistol twice in the head. So I don't know if that was, like, a reason why Catch-22 and a twenty two caliber pistol. Yeah, I don't know what that book is about. I don't either, um, and I didn't look it up. So the only thing that was somewhat consistent is that she was strangled with a nylon stocking. That wasn't hers. So that's interesting. Um, but that's the main consistency between the cases, is they were all essentially strangled or had something around their neck. Um, there was no evidence of sexual assault, though, and she wasn't beaten, stabbed, or mutilated. So, so she was just strangled. Yeah, so it was kind of weird. It doesn't really fit in with the other cases, um, but they still attribute it to John Norman Collins. Um, on the 20th anniversary of her death, I just wanted to add this in there because it was, like, really sad. Um, there was an interview with her father in the Ann Arbor News, and he said, yeah. I guess you could say I'm a realist. No matter how good or honest you are or how bad you are, things happen to you that you just can't control. Yeah. I mean, he right. Yeah. I'm just, I thought that was, like, 
important to add in there. Um, but literally, like, a couple days later, on March 25th, 1969, a nude, mutilated body of a teenage girl was found. She was dumped behind a vacant house, which was only a couple hundred yards from where Joan Shell's body was found. So, like, pretty close to the first murder. Yeah. Um, this one was significantly more brutal. The autopsy showed that she had died of blunt force trauma to the head. Oh, my goodness. She was likely tortured before death, um, and she was gagged with a piece of her shirt. Just wait. There were also deep lacerations, and it seems like they were caused by a leather strap, like she was whipped. And there was also evidence to suggest that she was restrained while she was whipped, repeatedly on her chest and torso. This is, like... He's, I mean, I try not to think about it too much. Like, I try to, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. You, like, disassociate. Yeah, because, like, actually thinking about that and, like, that being a real person and that, like... Them going through that... Yeah, before they die? Like, that's your last... Hours. Oh, just wait. You commented right before the worst part of this one? Awesome. Um, I hate having to say this out loud, but a stick from a nearby tree was inserted into her vagina. Oh, my God. Yeah, this man hates women. Like, this is for sure, like, in a rage against women. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, there was also a garter belt tied around her neck. And unlike the others, it seemed like she had been killed in the same area where she was found. So, so I don't think that really changes much. He seems like, honestly, there's not a lot of pattern to his murders. But other maybe, than, like, with this murder, he didn't have time to, like... That's what I was thinking with the Mixer case, too. Like, he didn't have time to mutil mutilate her body. Yeah. But he also... I mean, he had time to torture her. He had time to... True. So, I don't know. Maybe he just decided she didn't need to be dumped somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't... Killers don't make sense. There is no logic. Um... But the body was identified as Marilyn Skelton, a 16-year-old Romulus high school student. And she was last seen alive outside of a drive-in restaurant on Washtenaw Avenue two days before her body was found. So at this point, pub the public's like, oh God. Mm -hmm. And the police are like, we need to do something. So they decided to create a dedicated task force. Um, About time. So... They decided to create a dedicated task force to solving this because they're like, this is a problemo, okay? So what happened was five separate jurisdictions where basically all the bodies were found or the women went missing from, they they joined together to create this task force. Okay. So there was five jurisdictions in this, um, and it was a total of 20 investigators. So as they started looking into this, they realized this killer had a type for sure. Women. Women, but specifically brunette Caucasians, except Jane Mixer, and all had knife wounds to their necks, except Jane Mixer. So you see what I'm saying? Like, she's not, she doesn't really fit into yeah. these. Um, but they did all have an item of clothing tied around their neck, and they were all found within a 15-mile radius of Washtenaw County. So it would be very unlikely for two serial killers to be operating at the same time yeah, in a small town in Michigan. doing basically the same basically thing. the same thing yeah so they were m most definitely connected um on april 16th 1969 the body of a young girl was found on the side of the road again um she was wearing a white shirt and a bra but they were both pushed up to her neck it was determined that she was stabbed multiple times in the chest and genitals 
There were lacerations across her breasts, butt, and stomach, and her cause of death was strangulation with an electrical cord that was still around her neck. There was also a handkerchief in her mouth, likely used to keep her quiet during, like, the torture. Mm -hmm. And there was no apparent evidence of sexual assault, but her shirt was pulled up, so I don't know. Um, The body was identified to be Dawn Louise Bassam, Bassam? Uh, a 13-year-old girl. 13? Yeah. That is insane. That is a child. That is literally So is a 16-year-old, but, like, that's young. That's, like, middle school. Yeah. So she was last seen alive 7.30 the night before, walking home from a friend's house. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, walking alone outside is most likely Uh where these people were taken from. Yeah. And, like, if you... If I lived in that county area mm-hmm. and this was going on, I would not go anywhere by myself. Like Yeah, but I feel people always have the inherent inherent the inherent thought of like it won't be it, me. It won't be me. It's never yeah. it's never going to be me. Yeah. Yeah. But like never would you catch me walking by myself. Yeah. No. But also, and she was I like won't do that 13. anyway. Like she she was a kid. Yeah. But, okay, so she was accompanied by her friend Earl Kidd for a part of the walk. Um, but she did walk, like, the last five blocks by herself. That was it. Five blocks? Yeah, along the railroad tracks. Yeah. Um, and in an abandoned farmhouse nearby, police did find her sweater um, and, like, another piece of her clothing, as well as a piece of the same electrical cord that was used to strangle her and what looked like fresh blood stains. So... That's probably where she was murdered. Um, so, yeah, like, that was probably the crime scene. That is terrifying. And the killer likely revisited this scene as more items were found that were linked to one of the other murders in that farmhouse after the police had searched. So the police had searched the farmhouse, found the original things, mm-hmm. and then came back, and then there were things linking to the other cases. So he was, like... He was he was coming back, oh my, I, and honestly, like teasing them yeah that's what i was gonna say like teasing like he's honestly he's like, like haha ha. yeah. yeah yeah um so that's icky and creepy um and soon after that on june 9th 1969 three young boys came upon a partially nude body of a young woman in a field near the abandoned house the abandoned farmhouse so close to where everyone else was found the victim was later identified as Alice Elizabeth Callum, a 21-year-old University of Michigan graduate student. She had disappeared two nights before that, and she was last seen walking home after a party. She had multiple lacerations and stab wounds, as well as a gunshot wound to the head. A gunshot wound? That's new. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did shoot oh, he, Jane yeah, he Mixer. Did, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. These are very inconsistent, and the only thing that really ties them together is, like, the pure rage. Yeah. Like, the violence. Um, was it the same um, gunshot wound? Like, I think the other one was to the head as well. No, like... With oh, the, the same, same gun? gun? Yeah. They didn't clarify that. Oh. Um, but guess what? Her neck had also been sliced, and I quote, to the spine. So, that's fun. Um, this is also not good. All of this is not good. But, like, some of these are just harder to say. She had also been raped, but they were unable to tell if it happened before or after death. Oh, my God. Yeah, and he did like to revisit crime scenes, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was after death. I literally hate this man. Yeah, and it it was thought that he also, when he came back to the crime scenes, did some of the mutilating. 
Like, it wasn't necessarily when he killed them. That is disgusting. Yeah. <clears throat> so, in July of 1969, after this, this body's found, the public starts to panic more, um, which caused the police to work even harder to solve these cases. So, they had a psychic come in, Peter Herkos. Okay. They literally brought in a psychic. A psychic. Yes. And he did predict correctly that the perpetrator is under 25, was not born in the United States, and rode a motorcycle. He also identified where all the bodies were found and provided information about the murders that was not known to the public. So, skeptical me wants to be like, who on the police force is talking to this psychic? Yeah. Right? Because, like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's a last resort. Like, yeah. Either way, he was right about but the description I mean, yeah. of the, the suspect, like, the person who did it, so. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, literally that same month, July 23rd, 1969, the nude body of a woman was discovered face down in a gully on the side of Huron River Parkway. She had been severely beaten around her face and body, blunt force trauma to the head, of course. Um, she had also been chemically burned with a corrosive substance, like an acid. So that's new. Yeah. Um, she was also forced to ingest that oh my substance. Um, similar. so scary to think about. Yeah. No, this is, like, bad. That's I yeah. didn't expect this to be as brutal as it was. No. Like, it's getting worse the more you read. Yeah. No, and he and it's quicker. It's, like, months in between this now yeah. and, like, days. Like, like, he can't, like. And it's weird because it all started so quick and then he just got quicker at it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like this was like a downward spiral spiral in the span of like a like couple this was of years. His yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's why he revisited the crime scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to the other victims, she was also gagged, and she was raped. And her, actually, underwear that were not hers, or it might have been her underwear, that wasn't super clear. Um, but they were inserted into her vagina. So, there's that. There were there was semen found on these, as well as some short blonde hairs that weren't hers. Um, so that's... That's weird. That gives me the ick. This woman was identified as 18-year-old Eastern Michigan University student Sue Bynaman. So she was last seen at a wig shop downtown, and police were pretty sure that the killer liked to revisit his crime scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so what they did, this was actually pretty smart... Um, they placed a mannequin where her body was. So they didn't announce that they found her body. They put a mannequin there. And they had officers watch the area. And around midnight the next morning, an officer witnessed a young man running from the gully. But guess what? They couldn't identify him or capture him. Why? Why? They said it was raining too hard and the bugs were annoying. Y'all are police officers. Like, yeah, but so the rain thing was kind of true because it stopped the radios from working, so they couldn't communicate with each other. But the bugs. Yeah, they really mentioned that the mosquitoes were like biting them. A woman was just brutally murdered. Multiple women. Yeah. The mosquitoes are bugging you? Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. You are a police officer. That is your job. Yeah. But that was a smart plan. Like, that started I mean, off yeah. good. I'm surprised they even did that. Yeah. But police, um, their next step was, like, let's retrace Bynum's last steps, figure out what she was doing the day she disappeared. Um, 
So she was at the wig shop. So they questioned <clears throat> the owner of the wig shop, um, whose name is Diana jo- Diana Joan Gosh. Um, all these people have interesting last names. Yeah. Um, Gosh said that Bynumin purchased a $20 headpiece in the early afternoon of July 23rd. Um, and she did see a young man with short, dark hair with it parted on the side, waiting on a blue motorcycle outside of the shop. Bynumin mentioned to her that she had made a crazy decision and accepted a ride from him. So she literally said, I'm with that guy on the motorcycle. Um, Gosh incorrectly identified this bike as a Honda, Honda 350 model, but luckily an employee from a shop across the street was able to identify it correctly as a Triumph motorcycle. Yeah, like, don't ask me. Yeah, no, no, no. I'd be like, a motorcycle. Even cars. I'm like, I don't know. It was red. Like, I don't even get the colors right most of the time. I'm like... I'm like, gray, silver? Usually I, I know, know the make, but that's that's about it. Ooh, I don't even know about that sometimes. Or like the, the not the make, but the... The make is the company. Yeah, the company. Yeah. Usually I know the company, but... Yeah, no. Even I get confused because I feel like all the cars look the same nowadays. Yeah, no, my coworker like tried to tell me what car was hers one time when I was like meeting her. I had to meet her for something and she like told me what car was hers and she's like, yeah, just pull up right next to me. And I was like, girl, I have no idea. Yeah, tell me a color and a shape. I literally Googled that car. I was like, I don't know what, I don't know what it's going to look like. So I Googled it. It just looks like any normal SUV. I'm like, girl, there's like 40 of those in the parking lot store all the time. Especially my car because I have like a Ford Escape. They're everywhere. I've gotten into, tried to get into someone's car. You were with me. I literally opened their trunk because the the cars look the same. Like, that's not my car. That is not my my car. My car is very... Unique. Unique, yeah. Yeah. Like, actually, there's a couple people in this town that have the same car. The same color. The same year. Yeah. But Tom is Tom. One of them lived down the street from me. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, so I always pass them. I was like... Yeah. Yeah. Tom is Tom. Tom is special. Yes, Tom is special. Tom has some dents. Some love. Some caused by Hannah. Some caused by Hannah. Some caused by me hitting my brother. <laughs> yeah. That car has... My brother's car, not my brother. <laughs> <laughs> running over Christian. God, you can be the next story we talk about. <laughs> okay. Either way. So, she said she was taking a ride from him. Um, and a patrolman, Larry Mathewson, heard about this description of the bike and the person on the bike. Right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, that sounds like my former Theta Chi fraternity brother, John Norman Collins. Um, he had actually seen Collins riding that same motorcycle that day near the campus. Like, he was there, and the patrolman saw him. So, on July 25th, two days later, Matthewson questioned Collins on his whereabouts on the day of the murder. And Collins admitted he was in the area, and he was speaking with a former girlfriend. Um... And the girlfriend, when they talked to her, had some photos of Collins. So they brought those to the wig shop owner and the employee of the shop across the street, and they identified him as the man last seen with Bynman. So they're putting two and two together now. So when they start their investigation, they question Collins' coworkers, and of course, he was not cool at work. Like, yeah. there were signs, for sure. Um, he had enjoyed telling female coworkers the gruesome details of all of the murders. That were not known to the public, claiming that his uncle David Like, how would you pronounce that? L E I K, Like, Lake, Lee, Leak. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, are we gonna go with Leak? Okay, we're gonna go with Leak. So he claimed that his uncle David Leak, a sergeant in the police force, was giving him the information. 
So his uncle denied that and said, I haven't told anything to him about the case. Oh, so that's actually his uncle. Yeah, he wasn't no. just making that person. Yeah, out. no, because he just, wait, he shows up in the story a little bit more. Oh, okay. Um, investigators also determined that he had either been acquainted with most of the victims or lived near them at some point. So, like, Collins was, like, connected to these people as well. Oh, that is more terrifying. Yeah, no, he knew the area super well. Like, when I was looking at some of the documentaries on that, like, he knew the area like the back of his hand. So that's why he knew where to hide the bodies and dump the bodies mm-hmm. and not get caught. Um, the owner of the wig shop did identify Collins in a lineup as well. Um, and in total, seven witnesses would later testify to seeing Collins in the area at the time of the murder. And this included three young women who said he tried to get them on his motorcycle. So that's awesome. Collins did refuse to take a polygraph test. But his roommate said that Collins was taking a box to the trash that included a women's purple shoe, some rolled-up denim, and a burlap purse. So likely trophies. Yeah. Which is nauseating. So yeah, he was trying to throw away that box of stuff. Um, On July 29th, 1969, Collins' uncle, David Leak, David Leak comes home from vacation. Um, Collins was actually watching his house while he was gone and therefore had total access to the home. Can you see where this is going? Mm -hmm. Leek found that some items were stolen and that there were some paint marks on the floor in the basement that seemed to be covering up what looked like blood. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would he have him watch his house? He didn't know this was happening. Oh. He, like, he didn't know that he was killing people. He still seemed like a decent citizen. I mean, no, he seemed kind of sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't seem like the type of person to Well, be he like, beat his sister. I need you to watch my house. Yeah. Exactly. I wouldn't let him watch my house. Mm-mm. But, I don't know. Maybe his uncle was equally, I don't know. No. He seemed like a nice family man. Because you'll, you'll hear in a little bit. Um, either way, there were stains that looked like blood covered up by paint. Um, he told the investigators when he found this, and they did an exhaustive examination of the basement. The blood-like substance was determined to be varnish, so it, it wasn't blood. But there were some other blood stains found that weren't covered in paint. So he, he missed the things that actually were blood, he is what it sounds like. He covered up the wrong stains. He's like, oh, that looks like I made that, and he didn't because it was varnish. Yeah. Yeah. Um... There were also some small blonde hairs found that looked like the blonde hairs that were in the underwear. Okay, but correct me if I'm wrong. He has black hair, brown hair, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, yeah. Okay. So, Leek explained that his wife would usually cut their children's hair in the basement. Mm. And that was probably their kid's hair. That ended up, yeah, in Vineman's body. Um. The hair on the... Okay, so this hair that they found in the basement was a match to the hair found in the underwear that were placed in Vitamin's vagina. So it was those hairs. Mm-hmm. And the blood stains were also a blood type match to Vitamin. So she was likely killed in that basement. In that basement. Yeah. And Leek just has to deal with the fact that someone was killed in his basement. Yeah. Yeah. Move immediately. Oh, I'd leave. I'd yeah. leave. Um, on August 1st, 1969, John Norman Collins was finally arraigned for the murder of Karen Sue Bynum, and he was held without bond, so 
that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, around this same time, though, he was connected to a murder literally all the way across the country in Salinas, California. I'm going to sound so dumb. I need to he look up. He was connected to a murder? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, and he was, it was for sure him. Um, Salinas? Salinas? I have no idea. Um, you guys can assume what I mean by that. Either way, on July 13th, 1969, 17-year-old Roxy Ann Phillips is found dead in a ravine in Carmel Highlands with the belt from her dress knotted around her neck. She was also beaten and strangled to death. Her friend said that she was recently introduced to a John from Michigan who stated he was a student at Eastern Michigan University. And guess what? Collins was in the area at the time. Hmm. He did it. Mm Mm-hmm. There wouldn't be another John from Michigan in at that area. Eastern University. Yeah. In that area at that time. Exactly. So, for sure, I think he did that one as well. Um, so, he was only tried for the murder of Karen Sue Bynaman. That's frustrating. None of the other, yeah, none of the other murders. And he refused to enter a plea, so a not guilty plea was entered on his behalf. Um, but he was unanimously found guilty on the charge of first-degree murder of Karen Sue Bynum. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, and he was sentenced to life in prison, and guess what? Is currently serving his sentence at G. Robert Cotton Correctional Facility in Jackson, Michigan. He's still there? He's still alive in oh Jackson, God. Michigan. He's only, like, a couple hours from us. My... What? That's where my roommate lives. In Jackson? Yeah. Well, let her know that there's literally a serial killer in prison near her. Oh, I'm sure she knows. I don't know. I didn't know about Jackson this case. Jackson isn't a great area. But I didn't know about this case. But yeah, he was never tried or convicted of any of the other murders. And he's like 70-something now. One source. No, no, no. There's a hole. Oh, okay. Yeah. My sources are Wikipedia, Detroit Free Press, Ratford University, and a couple other ones that I don't know what those are. AADL.org. AADL.org. I think it's a newspaper. Either way, that is the case of John Norman Collins, the Michigan murderer, the Ypsilanti Ripper. That's so frustrating, though, that he was only tried. For I'm one. mad about it. Like, and it was only the last one. Give the others their justice that they yeah, deserve. Yeah, and the closure for the family. Literally, like these families are just sitting here, and that's why that interview, the 20 year anniversary, the dad was saying that because he never got closure. Yeah, for like, his kid. They all know he did it. Yeah. They literally say that. And when, when asked, they said, we tried him on the case that we thought we could convict him easiest on. Or, like, the, like okay, we could convict why him not, on. Like, why not try him for the other ones now? Try him for, try, try him for all of them. Like, yeah. even if he's convicted guilty on one of them. Well, and you could try him for one, and then guess what? Try him for another later. Yeah. You don't have to do it all at once. Yeah. And I don't know. That made me feel icky. Because, yeah, like, none of those families get justice. But, I mean, literally, he could, they could have done all of them at once. Yeah, no, they could have. Because, for sure, he did it. And everyone attested to the fact that he was creepy. Yeah. Like, previous girlfriends and everything said, like, he was not great. So, they would have believed that he killed these people. Mm-hmm. Plus, they were all connected. You could tell by, like, the M.O. of the cases. Yeah, for sure. Just icky, man. But, yeah, that was a rough one to I'm sure. Research. I'm sure. That's also why, like... I keep putting off researching because I'm like, I'm going to get scared reading this You don't stuff. have to do true crime. I want to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. 
That was icky. That was icky. But okay, Teddy, after after that story, how are you feeling? How how is life? How are you doing? How is it? Oh, come here. Are you purring? Can you purr into the microphone? That is Theodore Roosevelt. I think we both might need to talk to the therapists after this. I don't have one though, so I have to work on that. Lord help me. So we're gonna go. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna quickly do it because the cat is trying to attack the camera. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Um, if you in, if you did like it, definitely leave us a review. That would be great. Please. please. If you're watching this on YouTube, please Teddy, not a mean one, stop scratching. What? I said please not a mean one though. Oh, well, yeah, not a mean review, but reviews help. And like I said, if you're watching this on YouTube, definitely subscribe. And let us know if you want more episodes. We're, we he's are. Drinking, we are. He's drinking. Everything. Okay, well, you can't have Red Bull. We are definitely doing the Midwestern goodbye here. Um, but see you later. <laughs> see you later.